you know. So just pray for her. And um, let's go ahead and go to Romans chapter 8 tonight. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. I'm going to jump right into this because I want to try to finish up chapter 8 the, tonight. And I only got 15 minutes, so we're going to try to... I'll preach fast, listen fast. So, <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse number 31. The Bible says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God, it is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? Is it, it is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for, they, uh, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all thing, these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ, or through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We could just go home after that right now. I tell you what. Uh, when I read this, and you know, I've, I've heard of this uh, for years, but I tell you what, when I just get to reading it, I just like, man, we could just hit an invitation and just go straight home. I don't even have to preach it tonight, but tonight we're ending, ending one of the greatest chapters in the Word of God, and I tell you what, it has been a thrill to go through, and um, we're talking about verses 38 through 39 tonight, and of all the promises that have been made to the child of God relating to our salvation, to me the most precious is the fact that when we're saved by grace, we're saved forever. Amen for that. And tonight we're going to talk about the distinction of the spirit life, the distinction of the spirit life. You know, um, I know many will try, many people have tried to string various passages of scripture together and trying to prove that you're saved today and you're lost tomorrow. And I realize that, but what I want to really know with those people is why do they do that? Why not just take the Bible for what it says, and why not just say the fact that once you're saved, you're always saved, amen? You know, it's these verses, this is what it's all about. If we had none other promises in the Word of God, if we didn't have John 3, 16, if we didn't have John 5, 24, John 10, 28 through 29, or 1 Peter 1 through 5, et cetera, et cetera, if we only had Romans chapter 8, I think it would be sufficient enough to make the doctrine crystal clear. Um, you see, as we bring our study of chapter 8 to a close tonight, Paul talks about the distinction of, a spirit, of the spirit life. There's one thing that sets Christianity apart from every other belief system that there is in the world tonight. And that thing is the distinctive plan of salvation that guarantees absolute eternal security to anybody who's saved. And tonight I want to look at just a few points. Uh, number one is secure by the labor of Christ. Secure by the labor of Christ. We're secured by the labor of Christ tonight. In verses 31 through 34, it says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? 
Uh, you know, right there, I could say that he is interested in us in there. You know, uh, according to what we have already said throughout this chapter, we are partakers in this wonderful salvation experiences that changes us forever. Uh, and it places us into the family of God. But Paul's question is, is to remind us that those things and to teach us that God is interested in each and every one of us tonight. You know, his interest is seen in the fact that he loves us. And you know what? He loved us even before the foundations of this world. He loved us and he, from the very before the beginning of time, and he formulated a plan to bring us to himself. He knew us, yet he loved us, and he made us a way for us to be saved by his grace. You know, that's proof that he's interested in us. Can I tell you, he's interested in you tonight? He's interested in it. Uh, he's interested so much that he went to the cross and he died for you. And you know what? I'm grateful that he is. And you know, in verse 31, Paul's if in that verse, uh, it says, if God be for us, it's not an if of possibility. It's not, well, if this happened or if this happened. No, it's, it's not a questioning whether God is for us or not. But it's basically him stating that the fact that God is on our side. You know, therefore, no one can stand against God. No one can stand against us either. Amen. You know, regardless of where you are in your life tonight, God is interested in you. He cares about you. And because he cares, you can walk in the victory of this Christian life tonight. Boy, I'm so grateful for that. You know, he's interested. His interest in us secures us. But I notice also, this is not number two, this is letter B, but his investment in us. You know, Christ invested himself in us, amen? Verse number 32 says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Boy, uh, you know, I'm grateful for that because God loves us as sinners so much. He gave his only begotten son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. And when he died, he became that sin for you and for me. He was judged in our place, basically. He made the ultimate investment in you and in me. He laid down his life for those that he loved. You know, the provision of his life uh, for mine was an investment in my salvation. When I received that gift of salvation as a, pay, uh, uh, as a work of Jesus and a payment for my own salvation, I also received the dividend of the initial investment. When I trusted Jesus to save me, his death became my death. His payment became my payment. And at that moment, all it lined up and I was set free from the debt of sin. Praise God for that. I'm set free from sin forever by his grace. Now, I'm still a sinner, amen. I'm still a sinner. We all are. But I can tell you that I do not have to give in to sin anymore. I don't have to uh, live in sin. I don't have to, I can say no to it. And you know, tonight I know the difference between what is right and what is wrong. I understand it. But you know that, you know, I'm grateful tonight that I've been saved from my sins, even though I'm still a sinner. Even though I know that I still will sin until, uh, until I go home to be with the Lord. But I can tell you tonight that I'm set free from those sins. I'm forgiven of those sins when I place my faith and trust in him. But I notice his intentions for us in verse 32 as well. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Paul asks another question. He wants to know what God would pay, or excuse me, that if God would pay this high price to save us, did not he plan to do something with us? 
You know, he didn't just to save you just so you could go to heaven. Although I'm grateful that's a benefit of it. Amen. Can I tell you that he saved you to live a life pleasing to him, to serve him. He wants you to serve him. And, uh, you know, why wouldn't we want to serve him? I mean, he, we have been delivered from the eternal fires of hell. Amen. We ought to want to serve the one who saved us from that. You know what? There have been times where I don't do that. I'm sad to say it happens. But I tell you what, it shouldn't be. It should be that we want to serve him every day of our lives because of what he's done for us. If we were just to step back for a moment and think about all the things that God has given to us and all that he's done for us, I have to tell you what, we'd be shouting, we'd be praising the Lord for it, wouldn't we? We'd be wanting to go, we'd be wanting to serve him every minute of our lives. But many times people don't even think about that kind of stuff. Many times people don't take a look back and thank God for the blessings that he gave to them. You know, Paul's point here is that, you know, can I tell you that, in fact, that there's proof that is seen in the fact that we're already considered to be like with him right now. Look in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. A familiar passage of scripture here. Ephesians 2, verse 6. In Ephesians 2, verse 6, the Bible says there, And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Boy, it's as if we're already there, folks. Can I tell you, Jesus is waiting for us. And he's yearning for when we get to come home to be with him. You know, I, I love it when I know uh, at, at my house, when, whenever I come home from the office, I, it doesn't happen every time because sometimes she's asleep. But Lydia always tries to give me a hug when I come home. And she, she just loves it when, when I get to come home. Uh, and you know what? It, it tells me she missed me and she was longing to see me. You know, that's how God is looking for us. He's longing for us to come home. And one day we're going to be with him. One day we are going to stand in his presence. And I'm grateful that one day we're going to get to see him. You know, I notice his intentions for us, but I notice also his insistence concerning us. His insistence concerning us. Look at verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God, uh, uh, to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Another question that is asked by Paul is if he wants, he wants to know who has the right to say that we are guilty before God. The problem is this lost world, they look at us who are saved, who claim to know Jesus, and they view our lives and they see within us characteristics and traits of our old lives of sin. And then they point at us and they say, there's no reason that you should be doing that because you're just as evil and wicked as we are. Amen. They say that and they think, why do I need to get saved and live a, live a life pleasing to the Lord when, when you're doing the same thing as we are? But can I tell you, they see that stuff. And, uh, and the fact of the matter is this. You know what we need to do? We need to live lives that are different from the world. Amen. We need to live lives that are different because there are people everywhere who are watching you. Everywhere you go, everything you do, people are watching you. Paul's point, however, is that no one has the right to try to place anything on our, on our account before the Lord. Not even the devil has the right to do that. Can I tell you that, uh, can I tell you, because we have trusted in Christ for salvation, God has justified us, amen? Uh, you see, he did not just take away our sins, but he also declared us to be righteous, he took all the sin that was on my account 
and transferred it to the account of the Lord Jesus Christ. He paid the price forever. Boy, man, I'm so grateful for that. There are times when you and I don't act like we're saved, though, don't we? We act like we're not saved. If a lost person were to watch our walk, they might conclude that we are just as wicked as they are. However, what they cannot see is the fact that the transformation that took place in your life when you got saved, they can't understand it because all they see is what you do. Can I tell you that we are a living, walking testimony to this lost world? And you know what? If we're not acting like we're saved, people are going to question that, aren't they? And we need to make sure that we are living lives that are showing people that we have changed, that there is something different, that, that Jesus saves tonight. We need to, and we are secure because God says that we are. Boy, I'm grateful that he, he says we are secure. We're justified, we're righteous tonight. So we're secured by the labor of Christ, but number two, we're secured by the life of Christ. Look at verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. You know, this verse asks another very important question related to the matter of our security. Does anyone have the right to judge the believer uh, uh, and find them worthy of judgment? Can anyone point their finger to the child of God and condemn them to hell? Well, Paul's answers that question here as well. Can I tell you the price? was paid on the cross who has the right to condemn us since it was Jesus who died for us the answer is nobody no one does his death on the cross took care of that sin death and it carried uh, uh, for all the people who will accept him as their savior and since he died and paid the price no one else has the right to judge you and to send you to hell amen I'm grateful that they don't <laughs> I'm grateful that nobody in this world can tell me, oh, you're not saved. You're going to be die. You're going to die and go to hell. No, I already know that I've been saved because I remember when it happened. I remembered when the, uh, when the time of my life where I gave my life over to the Lord and asked him to save me and nobody can pluck me out of that. Amen. Nobody can power. That's the power of the cross, but there's also the power that he displayed at the tomb as well. We all, we all know that when Jesus died, but he didn't stay dead, didn't he? What he did was he rose again from the tomb on the third day. He vacated that tomb and he's never been back in it, amen? He arose from the dead and he lives today. And the fact is that he gives us hope for our future. You know, but also he lets us know that the same power that brought him back to life was, put in, it was also putting away our sins. No one else has the right to judge us about our sins and can send us to hell. I'm grateful they can't tonight. The position also he holds at the throne as well. After the resurrection, Jesus ascended back to heaven and he sat down at the right hand of God. That's where he occupies today. And you know that he, he continued, to, he continues to make intercession for us as his children. You know, he is our advocate, amen? You know, uh, he's our representative before the God of heaven. The word advocate refers to one who pleads the case of another before a court of law. And in the courtroom of heaven, you know, Satan may try to accuse us. And he may say, well, he deserves to be in hell with me. But Jesus, the advocate, defends us before the Father. And the Father dismisses the case. Amen. Because it's already been paid for. God's a just God. Amen. I'm grateful he is. 
I'm grateful he's just. He will allow no such thing as a double jeopardy. You ever heard that before? He he doesn't allow those kind of things. Thank God that when the world, the flesh, and the devil try to accuse us uh, before the throne of God, we have the one who stands in our place to defend us tonight. Boy, and because he lives, no one has the right to accuse us before the throne of God. Number three tonight, not only are we secured by the labor of Christ or the life of Christ, but number three and lastly tonight, we're secured by the love of Christ. Verses 35 through 39, man, I'm telling you what, there's a, lot, there's a lot of good things in these verses. Paul now moves into the circumstances of life that cause us problems and trouble. He tells us that what sin could not and what Satan could not do, even the terrible situations that go on in this world, they cannot take away our security. Amen, Amen for that. In the context of the term, it says love of Christ. That refers to our salvation there. You know, it speaks of our special relationship with God. But I see that in verses 35 and 36 that his love is enduring. Let's go to 35 and 36 again. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. You know, his love is endearing to us. Regardless of what we face through this life, nothing we face is able to come between us and the love of God. Boy, I'm grateful for that tonight. No matter what happens in this world, God still loves you. Amen? Boy, I'm so grateful for that. His love will endure through anything and all. Don't get caught up in the things that happen and feel like God has forsaken you because he hasn't. He still loves you and he has promised you that he will be with you until the end. His promise is that nothing will be able to come between us and him. By the way, the word separate, that's a strong word there. It carries the idea of a divorce or a dividing asunder. But regardless of what happens in life, nothing that man can do to you can come between you and the Lord. His love endures over all, and it makes us secure. It's not only enduring, but it's also enabling. Look at verse 37. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Oh, man. It just gets gooder and gooder, doesn't it? Paul moves on to tell us that through the times, we are more than conquerors. We're like super conquerors, amen? You know, with the fact that we can face anything that happens in this life, why can we do that? Because he lives within us and helps us to, enables us to stand. You see, a genuine believer proves that he is real by the life that he lives. Can I tell you that if the things of this world, such as those that are mentioned in verse 35, can come between us and the Lord, I question their salvation. If they come between us and the Lord, you know what? If a professing Christian can walk away from the things of God into persistent sin, hey, that person might not even be saved. Because there should have been a change in your life and there should have been no reason that you have to go back to those things. True, the Bible salvation will produce and endure us as Christians. Some even call it perseverance. But you know, the true child of God is enabled by the prevailing love of God to carry on until he calls us home for the, to the glory. When you are able 
to go through storms. And there's going to be some that come in your way. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be turmoil, affliction, uh, whenever, whatever comes through your life. If you still want to live for Jesus in the time, that's a good sign that you're saved. Amen. Can I tell you that when everything that comes along and it blows you off the path, hey, I better check up on my life. Because I tell you what, things come in this life, there will be rough times. But true Christians know that this is only a season. This is not going to stay like this. We're not, we're not going to be in this forever. Can I tell you, we need to make sure that we are staying on the path, even when troubles and trials come. But also, his love is everlasting. Oh man, I love verse 38 and 39 as well. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor debt, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, what a verse to end that chapter. Man, his love is everlasting. Paul closes this chapter by speaking of his own confidence and his own security in the fact and, and in us as Christians. He tells us that we not only, what we have is not a hope so thing. It's not, well, I hope that we don't get separated from God. Well, I sure hope that we don't. No, it's we can have confidence in it. We can have absolute confidence that nothing will separate us from God. Nothing from the beginning of our life with God until the end of our life will ever be able to separate the believer's salvation that we enjoy with him. The end result of all this is the blessed assurance that Jesus, uh, th that in Jesus we are forever protected and secured, come what may, life or death. Now, what is everything that, uh, when everything is added up and all these truths are digested, it becomes clear that Jesus, in Jesus, we have an absolute eternal security. Amen. The believer needs to never fear anything coming between himself and God for salvation. If you're saved tonight, you're saved forever. Amen. I'm grateful for it. Once you're in, you can't get out of it. Amen. I don't want to get out of it. Amen. <laughs> You know, I, there are people that say they're saved and they go off and do their own thing and they say, well, I'm saved forever, amen, I'm going to go to heaven. Some people like that, they may be saved, but they're living a wasted life. Those people, they just want to get a free ticket to go to heaven and then just do whatever they want. Some people, they don't actually mean their salvation. They think they're saved, but it's false hope, folks. And they're going to realize one day, that they really didn't believe. They really didn't accept this gift of salvation. And, they're gonna, and, they, and they think, well, I'm okay. And they do what they want, but then they're going to end up in hell. It's going to be sad for those people. But I'm so grateful for us that know, that you know, that you know that you're saved. You're never going to be separated. Whatever happens in this life, hey, come what may in my life. A couple verses and I'll end. Hebrews 6 verse 19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6 says, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Boy, tonight, great chapter. I love Romans chapter 8. You know what? It's been all about our gift of salvation. And I just want us to recall the greatest day that we've ever had in our life. 
You know, I understand this is old news. You know, it's like we all hear this. Hey, it's good every time I hear it. Amen. I love hearing about messages about salvation. It's like, well, it doesn't apply to me. I'm not getting saved. Hey, remember what, what had happened to you. Amen. Remember when that, when God came and made intercession for you. Thank God that he crossed paths with you one day and you got saved. Don't ever forget it. Praise God for it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the night you've given to us. Lord, a great study on Romans chapter 8. Boy, I love this chapter. One of the greatest chapters in the whole word of God. What an ending to it, Father. We can never be separated from the gift of salvation. Oh, I'm so grateful for that. Whatever comes in life, it can never pluck me out of my salvation with you. Lord, I thank you for that. And Father, tonight I pray, maybe there's someone here that has never accepted you as their Savior. Help tonight be the night. Help them to see their need and save their souls tonight. Maybe tonight, I know I am probably am talking to all your people tonight, and I thank you for that. But Father, I pray that you would help us to recall these things. Even when troubles and trials come in our lives, help us to know that you are never forsaken us, but you're always there with us. You're going to help us endure to the end. And Lord, help us and give us this reassurance that you're going to keep us and never separate from us. Lord, we love you, and I pray that you be with this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Altar's open. Would you come tonight?